Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello and welcome to episode number 99 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your jet-lagged host, Chris Tripodi, back in the New York cold after a week in the San Diego sun. And joining me, as he does every week, is Tony Pauline. And we've now hit that lone week in December where there are no college football games between this podcast and our next show. But that certainly doesn't mean that there's nothing to talk about. Right, Tony? Well, we can find something to talk about, especially when it pertains to the NFL draft 12 months a year. But it is kind of funny because literally since, you know, we were were so busy over the summer with our previews and then the season came the end of August and then it was nonstop go for the past three months. And then all of a sudden it's like slam on the brakes. I mean, you know, you got some Division Two and Division One AA playoff games this weekend. Obviously, you got Army Navy, which is always a fun game to watch. But I mean, it's not the intense you know, sit your rear end down in a chair at 12 o'clock, have four televisions on and, you know, sit there till 1030 at night watching as many games as possible, taking as few breaks as possible uh, type of weekend. Yeah, and certainly we have bowl season starting up. The first game is uh, next Friday, a week from today. So we'll get back to games, certainly. And we'll also have some game talk for you on the show. Look back at a few of the conference championships. But first, a word from our sponsor. For everybody out there in the dating world, it can get pretty frustrating trying to hit that first note, that first communication online with someone that you're interested in. So how do you break the ice and stand out without looking stupid? Well, for that, there's a new app called Charmed. It actually helps men communicate better. Charmed uses both your friends and professionals to give you advice tailored to your match. For example, the most common opening lines are, hey, and you're beautiful. I still use hey all the time. If you're a woman on the receiving end, Do you really want to hear you're beautiful for the thousandth time? I think Tony's wife would, especially if he uses hey all the time. But guys, you got to get on Charmed immediately. It'll make your dating life so much easier. Girls are looking for a reason to skip you. And the people at Charmed, they're professionals. They've come up with a way for you to be classy, unique, sophisticated, and interesting. And that's how you're going to get dates. Hurry up and visit www.charm.app to get charmed. Your future matches will thank you. Now we'll start with the game played almost one week ago, the Pac-12 title game between Utah and Oregon. A surprising result in this one, 37-15 Ducks. When you first see that score, 
you'd think that maybe Justin Herbert finally had his true signature game and lit up the scoreboard against an elite defense, particularly in the secondary. But that wasn't quite true. Herbert had a solid game, 14 for 26, 193 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, as usual, took care of the football, took what was there, did have several big plays down the field. The receivers were wide open, though. You couldn't miss these guys. It was really a rough start for Utah cornerback Jalen Johnson, allowed two big plays early on. One of them went for a touchdown. Julian Blackman, the safety from the Utes, had a non-contact knee injury. We don't have any official word on what the injury is, but it's most definitely a serious injury, so that definitely stinks for Blackman. He'll miss the Alamo Bowl and likely a lot more time. Back to Herbert, though. He did seem to gain some confidence from that early success. He was putting up some 50-50 balls in the second half, taking some uncharacteristic risks. But he also continued to make his receivers have to work a little too hard for receptions. It's always been one of my biggest knocks on Herbert, in addition to the fact that he just doesn't have that one signature win. So, Tony, what do you think this performance means for Herbert moving forward? I think it was just a continuation of really uninspired play, you know, very mediocre play, a very underwhelming play, if you will. You know, again, you come out of the game and, you know, Oregon won because of two reasons, a couple of reasons, I should say, their offensive line, the running game, and the way they basically got Tyler Huntley to make mistakes early in the game and their defense. Um, But again, you know, with Herbert, you know, he was relying on that rushing game and C.J. Verdell, who ran for 208 yards, in large part because of that offensive line. Uh, it was just another underwhelming performance. I, I mean, again, it's something you wonder if this guy is, you know, he's got the physical skills. He's got the build. He's got the arm strength. He's got the athleticism. You just wonder if he's got the mentality and the mental makeup to be a, a franchise type quarterback at the next level. He's going to go very high because what's going to happen is if he goes to the senior vault, which I believe he needs to go to, some team's going to fall in love with him. They're going to look at his build. They're going to look at his arm strength. They're going to say, hey, we're going to coach the best out of him. But really, and again, I, I go back for almost two and a half years now, since that Wyoming game, that's almost three years ago, because that Wyoming game was uh, the start of his sophomore career, where he beat up Wyoming and looked like the uh, better quarterback than Josh Allen. It's been very mediocre football for Justin Herbert. There have been some flashes, but there's really been nothing in the way of high-level consistency. Now, do we think Herbert, as a result of him coming on so early and showing things early on in his career and obviously showing the physical tools. Do you think that at this point is kind of carrying his draft stock, just the fact that he's been doing it so long rather than what he's actually been doing? Well, it depends on, you know, what you think, what you consider his draft stock to be. I mean, when we were talking back in August and September, even when we did our our PAC 12 preview, you know, you're talking about Justin Herbert as potentially one of the top three picks in the draft. I don't see him as that. He could still, that could still happen with the quarterback needy team taking him early. Uh, but I, I think it's more just the physical skills. I mean, he's got classic pocket passer size. He's got the arm, but he's got the athleticism, you know, to be used in a system where, you know, uh, you're going to run RPOs, run pass options, or you're, you're going to roll them out and have them throw on the move. So from a physical standpoint, he's the entire package. It's just a matter of getting between the ears and seeing what's there. So I, I don't think the early – Play is really what's elevating his draft stock. You know he's got great potential, and I think that is what teams are looking at. Now, there were a lot of other players that are going to have a big impact on the 2020 draft in this game. If we look on the side of the Utah defense, Bradley and A, the defensive end, really couldn't get free against Panay Sewell, the big left tackle from Oregon, who's going to be a high pick in the future down the line, not draft eligible this year. Couldn't win with power, couldn't win with speed. 
just really struggled to make an impact on the game. Francis Bernard, though, did make an impact. Ten tackles, six solo. Again, he was all over the field, played well in coverage, did well picking up backs out of the backfield. So another good performance from Bernard. Lecky Fotu, the defensive tackle, was somewhat quiet. Three tackles, half a tackle for a loss. Did almost get to Herbert a couple times, hurried him a few times. But Shane Lemieux did do a nice job when tasked with blocking Fotu and anyone else on the interior. Calvin Throckmorton, the right tackle for Oregon, Lemieux's line mate. More of a small area blocker, likely a guard at the NFL level despite playing tackle in college. Really struggles protecting the edge, overcommits sometimes off the snap knowing that to compensate. Then he loses inside. So really wasn't a good game for Throckmorton and showed his limitations. But overall, the Ducks offensive line, as we mentioned before, with C.J. Verdell running for over 200 yards, did very well, both in the run game and protecting Herbert. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I really think the unsung heroes of the game, th- there were two. One was the entire uh, Oregon Duck offensive line as a unit. I mean, none of these guys are going to be drafted early. Shane Lemieux, Jake Hansen, Calvin Throckmorton, Dallas Warmack, the Alabama transfer. These are all day three type of guys that are going to make an NFL roster in some form or another. I think most of them will make an active roster. I think some of them can start. I think some of them could be eventually be put on a practice squad. And you mentioned Panay Sewell, who's going to be a very early pick once he declares for the draft. He's not draft eligible, as you mentioned. So I, I think the, the Oregon offensive line, they don't get the accolades. But you know what? As you said, they, they kept Hanson clean. And go back and look how many times this year Oregon's offense has rushed for more than 200 yards, and that's because of the offensive line. The other player to keep an eye on is Terrell Burgess, the uh, safety from Utah, who was really moving up draft boards, had 12 tackles in this game, one pass defense. Here's a guy in Burgess that wasn't even graded before the season by scouts, and right now teams are looking at him at him as a potential middle-round choice if he checks off all the boxes. The height, the weight, which really wasn't done, the, the speed, the 40 time, the shuttle times, if those all come in at or above average, uh, I think you're looking at Terrell Burgess, a guy who – wasn't even on the scouting radar uh, come August, uh, land in the middle rounds. Now move on to a shootout in Boone, North Carolina, where Appalachian State topped Louisiana in the Sun Belt title game, 45-38. to 38. Not a surprising result, considering both of these teams average right around 40 points per game. And coming in, for us, the focus was on the running game for each team. Appalachian State's Darrington Evans, 136 total yards in this one, three touchdowns, Really showed great speed and burst. He's a capable receiver in the short field. Two of those touchdowns were receiving scores where he made things happen after the catch. Not the most efficient back, though. His vision needs some improvement. He's not particularly powerful. Has a lean frame at 5'11", 200 pounds. But the Mountaineers' offensive line really opened up some massive holes. Even backups Dietrich Harrington and Marcus Williams averaged almost 10 yards per carry. So it wasn't just Evans who performed there for App State. Defensively, senior bowl bound Akeem Davis-Gaither, 10 tackles, four solo, half tackle for loss, really showed off his entire skill set in this game. He's got very good feel and coverage, got good depth on drops, did a nice job spying against Levi Lewis, the quarterback for Louisiana, when he would scramble, really didn't have an opportunity to get free. Davis-Gaither is quick in lateral pursuit, showed solid strength to chuck blockers off of him, didn't really show much as an edge rusher in this particular game, but a very nice game overall. Tony, what did you see from these two guys? Well, first thing is it was a fun game to watch. Uh, I mean, early on, Appalachian State was winning 28, or a, a fun ending to watch, I should say, because all, uh, early on, Appalachian State's winning 28-7. You think it's a blowout. Louisiana's got no chance. And all of a sudden, you know, they're fighting at the end to tie the game. So it was an enjoyable ending to watch. Uh, 
you know, I, I agree with you about Evans, but the fact is, is those two receptions for 63 yards, both for touchdowns, do show another element of his game. I do think he's got physical limitations. I don't think he's anything other than a number three back at the next level. As we said in our preview a week ago, I am told that after this game, he's going to be going through the entire process to decide whether or not he's going to enter the draft. I don't know that he has a lot to gain by going back because regardless of whether it's the 2020 draft or the 2021 draft, he's a middle-round pick. He's a fourth, fifth-round type of guy. The fact that Appalachian State's coach is now at Missouri may kind of push him out the door, although they did hire from within. So I thought from the fact that he didn't really run the ball all that well, 19 carries for 73 yards, he did catch it pretty well, which showed another element of his game. Um, you know, as you said, Akeem Davis Gaither, we're going to see him at the senior ball. I wrote about him early on at Pro Football Network. He was one of my risers. He's one of the more underrated linebackers in the 2020 draft. He's a pure space linebacker. He's basically what the league is moving to at that position, a smaller guy who can get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Um, not a forceful guy, not someone that's really going to uh, be a sack master or a guy that makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, but someone that's outstanding in space. Now on the Louisiana side, running back Elijah Mitchell, 18 carries, 85 yards, one touchdown, also had a one-yard touchdown catch as well. Kind of the opposite of Evans as a runner. Runs with a bit more power at 217 pounds. Falls forward to finish his runs. But he's an average athlete. Not a guy you're going to see turn the corner very often. Although he does make very quick cuts on the inside to get in yardage there. And runs efficiently. Jamarcus Bradley, the stats look decent on him in this game. Five catches, 58 yards, one touchdown. But he really struggled early, as did the Raging Cajuns passing game. Only got going more towards the end of the game when I wouldn't say the outcome was fully decided. It was a good finish, but in the end, it was catch-up mode, kind of garbage time, and that's where Bradley ended up getting a lot of his numbers. But he did show the ability to beat press coverage, made some nice adjustments, two errant throws. So when he had the opportunities, he looked good. The opportunities just weren't there that much until the end. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell, I think, is someone that you got to watch. He's a junior you got to watch for 2021. Like you said, I mean, he's more of a downhill, pounded-out type of runner. But you know what? He does have 28 rushing touchdowns the past two years. So that's something you got to keep an eye on, especially if you're looking for a short yardage type runner. Jamarcus Browley, I, I like Jamarcus Browley. I was not impressed with him in this game. I don't think, didn't think that he stepped up when he had an opportunity to or when the team needed him to. He's a solid possession receiver. If he runs decent 40 times and – decent 40 times is going to mean in the, for him in the low four fives. Maybe he gets drafted in the late rounds, the very late rounds. I think he's got the potential to be a solid number five uh, receiver, special teams player at the next level. But all in all, I expected more from Jamarcus Bradley, sort of a Justin Herbert type of situation in that uh, was very under, underwhelmed by his performance. Now our final review is going to be the ACC championship game. But first, we have another word from our sponsor. Tony, as football fans and analysts, we're often up late watching film, grinding at all hours. So let's talk about sleep. That's something I could absolutely use some of. Listen to these studies from Harvard and John Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. I'm sure you could check off a couple of them for myself, although well, uh, obesity is not one of them. We need eight hours of sleep. Eight hours. I, I mean, I better be careful. If you look at the timestamps of emails between me and Tony, they're, they're way past midnight and way before 9 or 8 a.m. So we have our own problems there. But one of sleep's biggest problems, besides just the fact that people don't get enough of it, is temperature. It's really tough to get a good sleep. 
if you're too hot, something that I can also attest to, a constant issue for me and I'm sure many others. We want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. I cannot imagine ever getting to that point, but it combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. So if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, you can both have that at the same time, also in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and sleep deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we will refund your purchase and arrange for a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches, so these are going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That is E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Check it out. Now, in that aforementioned battle for the ACC title, Clemson rolled Virginia as expected. The final was 62-17, but there were two receivers here that really stole the show. T. Higgins had nine catches for 182 yards and three touchdowns for Clemson, and he put his strengths on full display. Great focus and concentration. Very good athlete, great size, both soft and strong hands. If you didn't see the play Higgins made along the sideline, Go back and check it out. It combines all of those attributes together. Really a nice encapsulating play of who he is as a prospect. On the other side, a guy we discussed in the preview, Joe Reed, did not end up playing in this game. So obviously his teammate, Hassis Dubois, just went off. 10 catches, 130 yards, and one touchdown. Those numbers were not a garbage time special either. Had a 20-yard touchdown in the first quarter where he put a double move on Tanner Muse, who struggled a bit early in this game for Clemson. But Dubois... Very reliable possession receiver type. Wins out in contested situations. Had one contested catch over A.J. Terrell, the corner from Clemson. That was very impressive. Now, the top end speed isn't there for Dubois, but he's a solid receiver who can fill out an NFL depth chart. But obviously, his upside is nowhere near that of a player like Higgins. Now, Higgins, who is very likely to take his game to the next level, was just dynamic. I mean, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but he can run and he can hit the home run, which he absolutely did. I I mean, this game, except for uh, Dubois' performance, was basically the varsity against the JV. That's how badly Clemson uh, dominated the football game. And Higgins is also a guy that you expect to double up as a return specialist, a punt and kick returner. He's got that big playability. He can score from any point in the field whenever the ball's in his hands. He's a great athlete who's also a very good football player. But Travis Etienne also had a terrific game. And people talk about Etienne as a third-round pick. I'd be shocked if the guy gets out of the top 45 when he enters the draft. 114 yards, one touchdown average, 8.1 yards per carry. You know, the ball is interesting. He's a guy who wasn't even mentioned by scouts coming into the year, finishes the season with 65 receptions, 979 yards, and four TDs. You'd expect a bigger receiver to have a better touchdown numbers, but still, uh, I, I mean, that those are some terrific numbers. Uh, and even last year, I mean, 52 receptions, only 578 yards. But now he's a guy with Dubois, the way he's played the season, the way he played against Clemson, he's a guy who don't, he's not going to get a com- combine invitation, but scouts will be out there, you know, working him out during pro day with Joe Reed and with Bryce Perkins. 
I mean, Travis Etienne as a third round pick would be absolutely shocking. I'm completely on board with you on that one. I mean, the guy is just electric. He makes it look so easy when he's bouncing off tackles. Defenders can't get a clean shot at him. He's so fast. He's so strong. I understand the limitations in the passing game. He's not going to bring much as a receiver. Maybe he's going to be, again, capable on check downs and dump offs and screens and things like that. He's not going to go out and he's not going to run routes. He's not going to get you plays down the field. But, I mean, this guy is electric. And even if he's just a high-end change of pace back at the NFL level, it's really hard to see him falling into the third round in terms of value. You got to get him the ball in space. You know, bring back the toss sweep, something like that. He can create yardage and, you know, he can beat, he beats defenders into the open field and then can run to daylight. He has a tremendous burst of speed. He's not going to pick up a lot of yardage off initial contact. He's not a short yardage ball carrier. But if he's given any space at all, he's gone. Now we'll get into the second half of the show in just a moment. But first, our friends over at MyBookie would like a quick word. Now it's an exciting time for sports, Tony. Second year sensation, Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual threat quarterback at the NFL level, fresh off dismantling our Jets for all to see on Thursday night. The odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50 to 1 to begin the season, and they have plummeted ever since, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Then on December 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is A, have that kind of capital laying around, and B, Use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie.com. Now, we've often discussed Arizona State running back Eno Benjamin on this show. Tony has reported all season that Benjamin was likely to declare for the 2020 draft, and he did just that this week. Now, there's rarely a reason for a running back to stay in school but especially when you look at a guy with Eno Benjamin's workload, over 600 touches the past two seasons, and his running style is one that seeks out contact. For a 200-pounder, he's powerful, he's capable of breaking tackles, and not just weak arm tackles, but legitimate attempts from guys who could have futures in the NFL. Benjamin is also extremely quick, shows good patience and balance, a very good player, likely a mid-round type of guy, but what's the latest on his official draft stock, Tony? Well, that's it. I mean, he's a mid-round guy. He came into the season, and there were some scouts who grade underclassmen that gave Benjamin the second-round choice. Comes off of a slightly disappointing season. You know, he is what he is. He's a terrific football player. He's a guy who really does not shy away from contact on the inside. But like you said, he's got a limited frame, and what he does on Saturdays, he's not going to be able to do on Sundays. He's got decent speed. I don't think he's got pure perimeter speed for the next level. He's got decent hands out of the backfield, and he also gives attempts when he has to block. But he does have size limitations. I understand why he's entering the draft, you know, because like Evans of Appalachian State, I mentioned earlier, I don't think that, you know, Benjamin really 
is going to uh, benefit much as far as the draft stock is concerned by returning to Arizona State. So I understand why he made the decision. But really, you're looking at a guy who's more of a fourth-round pick. Could he slide into the late part of round three? Possibly if he really uh, exceeds expectations in workouts with some fast 40 times and shuttle times and things like that. But I think he's more of a fourth-round guy. And you're looking at you know a situational type of runner maybe a spot starter, a third down back, someone who does everything rather well, but is just not exceptional in any area. Now we'll round out the show here with some recent invites to both the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game. Ido Benjamin, who we just discussed, was among the latest wave headed to Mobile after graduating in three years from Arizona State. So congrats to Ido Benjamin on that and allowing himself to become eligible for a postseason All-Star game. Some other big names that recently accepted invites include Malik Harrison and Damon Arnett from Ohio State, Christian Fulton from LSU. Those are the big school guys, but we're going to focus on a few small school players that we'll see in Mobile. Georgia Southern cornerback Kendall Vildor, South Carolina State offensive tackle Alex Taylor, and D3 St. John's University offensive lineman Ben Barch. Vildor is a player that opposing teams really have avoided throwing at throughout his career. Big reason that his numbers don't stand out. Only four passes defended, one interception, and 25 tackles this year. Hard to put up stats when the ball doesn't come near you. This trio is really set to be the next in a long line of unheralded players from small Division I or even FCS and Division II programs to have a chance to make some noise at the Senior Bowl and solidify themselves on the radar of NFL teams. Yeah, first, it's great to see that uh, Christian Fulton and Damon Arnett are going to be at the Senior Bowl. I really like both of those guys. I think Fulton has really played well the past two months of the season, has stepped up his game after I thought he struggled the first half. I've always liked Damon Arnett. I think he's a bit underrated. You know, but of the guys you mentioned, I mean, Vildor of Georgia Southern came into the uh, season relatively uh, highly thought of by scouts. And, you know, he's got decent size. He's got... uh, solid athleticism. I think he needs to polish his game. Ironically, even before we get down to Mobile, Georgia Southern is playing Liberty in one of the first bowl games of the year, which is going to be a great matchup we'll get into later on. Uh, Vildor against Antonio Gandy-Golden, the uh, high-flying receiver from Liberty who will also be at the Senior Bowl. Uh, But but Kildor is a guy to watch. And when we watch him at the Senior Bowl, I'll be watching his ability if he can or can't make plays with his back to the ball, because he does a lot of face guarding on the college level. Want to see him get his head back around and, and uh, track that pass in the air. Alex Taylor, South Carolina state. He's more of a size prospect. I mean, the guy is a mountain of a man. He is huge. He goes almost six foot eight. He's got long arms, but what kind of agility does he have? I mean, can he slide off the edge? Once he gets his hands on opponents, it's game over. But if that's easy to do in the MIAC, uh, you know, is he going to be able to do it against the pass rushers at the Senior Bowl? We saw Titus Howard do it last year, and look how it turned out for Titus Howard. Barch is a guy who may get to see this weekend as St. John's uh, of Minnesota is playing Wisconsin-Whitewater in the Division Three semifinals. Barch is a guy who was highly considered by scouts coming into the season. He had uh, middle day three grades. He's got excellent length. A little bit of a smaller guy, but he's a nasty guy who just annihilates people at the small school level on the Division Three level. Uh, so, again, we'll see if he's able to do that with the step-up in competition against the players he'll be going against in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Now, from some of those guys we'll see in Mobile to those that will be playing the week before in St. Pete, obviously the Shrine game doesn't get the players that the Senior Bowl does. Two shows ago on Episode 97 of this podcast – 
We discussed what it means for a prospect to end up at the Shrine game rather than the Senior Bowl. We do suggest checking that out if you missed the show to really get an idea of how it's going to affect a player's draft stock. The impetus for that discussion was Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson, since he's headed to the Shrine game, but he's a guy many analysts had pegged as a potential day two pick. Like Johnson, though, there are many notable names heading to St. Pete. Maryland safety Antoine Brooks, who we discussed in the preseason as having better ball skills than former teammate and Packers 2019 first-round pick Darnell Savage. He's just not the same level of athlete. Baylor defensive tackle Bravion Roy, a big 333-pounder on the inside, who's also shown ability to penetrate the backfield and really made a lot of plays this season for the Bears. Ferris State defensive end Austin Edwards, the D2 lineman of the year, the GLIAC player of the year, which is an award that usually goes to offensive players and kind of shows the year that Edwards enjoyed. Oregon offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, who we mentioned earlier. Memphis running back Patrick Taylor, who missed more than half of this season with a foot injury. And Auburn cornerback Javaris Davis are just among the many names that will be headed to Florida. What intrigues you most about these players, Tony? Well, I think two guys, Antoine Brooks and Javaris Davis, are the two guys who could, you know, see uh, double duty in both the Shrine Bowl. You know, it's called the Shrine Bowl now. It used to be called the Shrine Game, but uh, apparently it's called the Shrine Bowl. The Shrine Game as well as the Senior Bowl. Brooks, uh, you know, I've said all along, I, I'm a big Brooks fan. I like, I think he's got better ball skills than Darnell Savage, his teammate from a year ago who went in the middle of round one, but he's not the athlete. He's smart. He's tough. He shows great instincts. Uh, I expect a lot of uh, positive play when the ball is in the air by Antoine Brooks. Javaris Davis has been a favorite of mine for the past three years. What Javaris Davis lacks is size. He go, only goes about 5'8 and change. He may touch 5'9, but he's a feisty corner guy. More of a zone, backed off the line of scrimmage type of player. Um, but again, someone who can be used as a nickelback at the next level. Ravian Roy, I, I think, is one of the most underrated nose tackles that will be available in the 2020 draft. He's a guy who does more than just occupy the gaps. He also makes plays on the ball. He's quick. He's explosive, plays with uh, terrific pad level. Doesn't have the sheer power you want in a nose tackle type, but you know he makes up for that by making plays on the ball. Austin Edwards has got a uh, an NFL-type body. I, I mean, he goes about 6'3", 270 pounds. He's got decent speed, makes a lot of plays on the ball. And the Shrine game's known – in the past for, you know, getting these sneaky one double A division two pass rushers, defensive ends who really stand out during uh, this game. So I think uh, Edwards could be that guy. Throckmorton, we talked about him before. It'll be interesting to see where he's used. Did they use him at right tackle? Did they use him at left tackle? Is he kicked inside the guard? And how does he play at those positions? Patrick Taylor, Patrick Taylor uh, was healthy all year and lived up to expectations. We may be seeing him at the senior bowl. I was wondering whether Taylor was going to try to apply and get another year of eligibility. Um, but obviously he's going to be at the shrine game. So he's going to be eligible for the draft. He's a guy who scouts really had him highly uh, uh, rated. He's a guy who found the end zone a lot at Memphis when he was healthy. He has potential to be a feature runner. It's just a matter of a limited body of work and really never having the opportunity to be a feature runner until this year. And then the injury sent him to the sidelines. Now, one of the big things when we look at all-star games, like the Senior Bowl, like the Shrine game, you mentioned it with Throckmorton. Where do some of these players line up? Because you have a lot of college tackles that are going to be pushed inside to guard. You have a lot of pass rushers off the edge that may play defensive end in college, but you're going to have to see if they're going to stand up over tackle. 
because they're 245, 250 pounds, and they're not going to hold up at defensive end. So that's a big thing to watch for in both St. Pete and Mobile to see how NFL teams view these guys and how versatile some of them can be when changing positions from what they've been doing for the past four seasons. Titus Howard, perfect example. I mean, uh, uh, played left tackle, played right tackle, uh, was taken in the first round. Uh, The kid from uh, Kansas State who went in the second round to the uh, Denver Broncos. Dalton Reisner. Exactly. Got slaughtered at tackle when he played last year, but when he was eventually kicked inside the guard, did a good job, and is doing a good job at uh, guard for the Denver Broncos. So, you know, that position versatility is important, and the more versatile a player displays himself to be, the higher his draft grade is going to be. And that's it for the 99th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. As a reminder, head over to profootballnetwork.com to check out all of Tony's work from now until the draft. And make sure to listen in to us every week for more analysis as draft season heats up over the next several months. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Rupoti. Good night. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.